have to admit I'm surprised. I didn't think you would make it this far. Kira Yamato. Solution. Don't do it. We've made it this far. If you do it, you will once again be condemning this world to darkness and chaos. I am not exaggerating. This is the truth. Kira! You may be right. But we have the ability to choose a path where that doesn't happen. As long as we live in a world where we can make those choices. But no one makes the right choices. People forget, and then they make the same mistakes again. They say they won't let it happen again. They're going to change the world this time. But who can guarantee such a thing? Nobody can guarantee it. Certainly not you, nor the young lady because neither of you knows what the future holds. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode episode Gundam Seed podcast that is about an hour away from finishing Destiny. My name is Jeremy. I don't even have a joke this time. I'm Tyler. Hallelujah! My name is Zach. It's amazing to me, Zach, how quiet you can be on the mic check and then how absolutely <laughs> deafening you can be on the recording. <laughs> I apologize. I'm sorry. We are watching episode 50 of Gundam Seed Destiny, The Chosen Future. After this, there will be no more Gundam Seed Destiny unless they actually make that goddamn movie they've been threatening for 16 years now. We're obligated to watch that if it comes oh, out, right? absolutely, and I want to. Was it more or less confirmed this year, or was yes, that just more Yes, that's not hopeful? the first time since then, though. Ah, uh, okay, okay. TM Revolution has been saying, yep, they keep telling me they're still making it every time I ask for like 10 years now. Maybe it's just got a really long production cycle. Maybe it keeps getting trashed. And the-, the writer is dead. Well, okay, fair. <laughs> of course, Jeremy. You analyze it as though the writer's intent. Thanks, Zach, for that pun. You didn't quite get there, but thanks for trying. I didn't get the it. The writer is dead is a literary. Uh, oh, the death of the author, yes. I believe, is yes. what that, okay. Yes, death of the author <laughs> is a literary technique that Zach is making into a pun. It I got works. there. <laughs> like I said, Zach didn't, so. I'm going to miss Gundam Z Destiny, I'm not going to lie. Well, pretty much everyone has guessed what we're going to do next. We'll confirm it at the end of this episode, so stay tuned if you haven't figured it out. But Gundam Seed- It's kill a kill. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, I love Kill a Kill. That'd be great. At least do Garen Lagan first. Yeah, that's fair. That's much more of a mecha anime. Things, if you were recording a podcast on Kill a Kill, are you obligated to do it naked? Only the last couple episodes. You're obligated to put as much clothes as possible on for the first one, in fact, and just slowly strip one off every episode until you are naked at the end. <laughs> it's it's strip podcasting. But Gundam Seed is one of the most important works of fiction to me, as I have said, in, in the world. I love that series. I have so much passion for it. Gundam Seed Destiny isn't nearly as good, but it's lived rent-free in my brain for 16 years. And launching this podcast in part was to evict it, which has worked. I am pretty much over my frustrations with Gundam Seed Destiny. But even though I don't like Gundam Seed Destiny that much, I still have a tremendous amount of passion for it, which I hope has been obvious over the course of this podcast. 
I will admit, over the course of this podcast, I've gone from like absolutely detesting Destiny and hating on it all the time to much more of an even keel. Like it's got its moments, but on the whole, like mostly the writers didn't do their homework, and that's disappointing. But what can you do? It's the straight C student that you know can be a straight A student. Is what it is to me. Really, yeah. It has a lot of good ideas. The first, like, I don't know. I, I can't even remember how many, but, like, the first handful of episodes were actually, like, pretty good, even. I think that's the trick. It's a really hard to identify when Gundam Seed Destiny starts to be bad, because I don't think it's just the ending. I think the ending is the point where it can't recover, and so, obviously, there's no more show left, so it's not going to get good. But that's why so many people have different points. Some people say it's the Battle of Orb. Some people say when Kira gets the strike freedom. Some people say it's that first Death Star trench run in the canyon. There are points all over the map people will point to. And I think it really just depends on what plot lines you find the most frustrating to not be wrapped up. But the thing is, we talked about perhaps doing a How Would We Fix Gundam Seed Destiny? And I've had a lot of different thoughts on that over the course of this podcast. But ultimately, I don't think there's enough time to implement the changes I want. I think the changes I say, if you do this, 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 and this, you'd be a better series. I don't think it's reasonable. The other thing of how to fix Destiny is basically to go back to the drawing board entirely and cut a few of those plot points out. Actually, I don't even know if they need to cut plot points out. I think they need to go back to the storyboard and, well, maybe cut plot points out and say, like, these are the events we want to have happen. These are the plot threads we introduce. Here's the amount of time that we have to fill to, like, wrap all of this up. And I feel like no one did that over the course of writing this, or if they did, they forgot a ton of stuff. I feel like they might have done something like that earlier, but with the production problems that have been alluded to a couple of times throughout us talking about this, those timelines and whatnot got screwed up due to the fact that they were missing key pieces of the actual series. That could very well be. The way it ended up being presented at the end of the day made it feel like no one really knew how they wanted it to end because they started off pretty strong and just like kind of fizzled. In this particular case, it's not quite the same thing where make the beginning and then make the end and then fill in the bits in between because people are going to remember the end and the beginning because of the fact that your ending might stand out but it also might be disappointing because you didn't set it up properly yeah no that's what i'm saying is like i feel like no one did the work to like connect the dots because i feel like the ending has ideas the beginning obviously has ideas. they have the thread that goes all the way from a to w but then we're missing the big chunk from w to z yeah or even like j to z i feel <laughs> i absolutely don't think at any point they're like okay kira is going to confront the rundle in the death star throne room at the end yeah. <laughs> Maybe Shin was supposed to, and that's more of an arc for him, but that doesn't really track either. It's all the stuff we've talked about, but also executive meddling, right? Because Kira was not supposed to be as big of a point in this episode, but he won a bunch of popularity polls and they wanted him in there. Lacus Klein, the only anime ever to win best female character four years in a row. So they have to throw her more in there. And there's not enough time for Kira and Lacus to be in this story with all the characters who actually need to be here. To the point where they literally pushed Kigali out of it. Yeah, because the, the characters that should have been taking center stage are the Minerva characters to almost a exclusive degree. Like Shin, Lunamaria, and Rey, with Atherin acting as like captain, you know, experienced dude. And to be fair, Gundam Seed does a great job of juggling between two casts. You have the Zala team and the Archangel crew, and they don't get even amounts of screen time. There's a little bit where they're fighting Andrew Walfelt, where Atherin is off in space. 
but it does a very good job of splitting time between them. I think the problem is you also have the druggies who end up going nowhere, thematically speaking. Mm -hmm. They're arguably the weakest part of Seed, I think. Well, and they're killed off pretty, well, it feels like early on, but they're. it's not that they're all dead early on. It's that they get removed from the plot pretty early on. Yeah, I, at some point we were like, remember they were here? Um, I mean, Stella obviously sticks around the longest to motivate Shin, but that's really all she's there for by the end. At some point we were like, featuring Steen Oakley. And there goes Steen Oakley. <laughs> Sting Oakley, the only character in Gundam history to be killed by Mooks twice. <laughs> Oh, the second time Shin kills him. Mooks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are going to be watching episode 50, The Chosen Future. Feel free to watch along. Feel the burden be lifted off your shoulders on Crunchyroll or YouTube or wherever Gundam Seed Destiny is sold. We start out with Moo blowing up some Zakus. Hey, remember in Gundam Seed where sometimes episodes would just start? It's so weird. Have they ever... <laughs> did they do that at all in Destiny? A couple times. Certainly. Certainly the first episode, although it has kind of a last time on feel because it starts with Shin's origin. Okay. Some more people shoot at the Akatsuki. It goes about as well as you expect. Oh, Yeah, you'd think by now someone would have noticed that. I didn't realize he reflected that when I watched that the first time. <laughs> the Minerva's Tristans blow off a Godfried of the Archangel. Some people die. The Command of Shoot is down. <laughs> Command of Shoot. That's funny. Maru in the dub is amazing here where she just goes, charge right at him. Like the voice actress is like, I never get action lines. I'm going to put my all into it. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Fires the Corinthos. And this is an interesting change from the original. In the original episode, there's this dust cloud. And then the Archangel just flies at the Minerva upside down and takes the shot. Whereas in the chosen future and in this version, we instead cut to the inside of the Archangel to see the prep. I actually way prefer the original. I agree. In Where it's just like a... Uh, it's, it's a, a surprise, surprise to... To everyone. To the audience and the Minerva. I mean, you don't honestly need the setup because of the fact that we already would understand what happened here. Yeah, and it works fine. The Archangel crew outplays, outmaneuvers the Minerva crew. And there's this amazing shot of, again, the Valiance, the weapon they can aim anywhere, just taking out the armaments of the Minerva. I, I love how it's at point-blank range, and you can actually see in the shot the Minerva is pushed down yeah, by like the impact. Momentum. And Arthur's like, oh, ma'am, we're fucked. <laughs> As uh, Gladys glares up at the departing archangel. Glardis. Atherin shows up. This is, again, changed, although I like these changes more. In the original, the Justice is just here, and its backpack flies through the Minerva's engines, and then that is the end of Minerva. In the original Chosen Future, Atherin has a pretty long flashback to all his time with Gladys. In this version, he just uh, says her name, which is enough of a setup, I think, and shoots the backpack through the Minerva's engines. And then apparently never retrieves it. Oh, he does. I'm pretty sure later on in this- He will use it again, and then okay. he never retrieves it. Okay. I couldn't remember. I just know that later on in this episode, he just doesn't have the backpack for some reason. Then the Minerva skids into the surface of the moon, and we get our opening. That actually makes a lot of sense. There's no like air resistance or anything like that, but there is still gravity to pull it down onto the ground. Yep, and so friction, so so like eventually stop. As opposed to just continuing on that same line after losing its engines. Yeah. So it gets pulled down into the moon and crash lands. This is, I think, the biggest casualty of the splitting of the episodes like this. I feel like the Minerva going down before the opening sequence starts makes it feel like it's real fast. And it feels a lot less important yeah. than what it should be because it happens kind of as an afterthought before the opening 
even starts. Yeah, like, I would have loved it if they had cut on, like, dramatic tension before we see the Archangel barrel roll or something. Or, like, when the Archangel fires the Corinthos and you've just got that big dust cloud. Yeah. Go to the opening, and then you come back, and the Archangel's coming through it upside down. Yep. Yeah. Surprise, we use that cut to be upside down. I was gonna say, Maru's like, let's try spinning, that's a neat trick. Well, at this point, you've got to think that not only the Archangel's crew, but Maru herself have probably more combat experience than anybody else on the field. They're up there, for sure. They've definitely got the best experience to equipment ratio. Best equipment for the experience that they have? Yeah. Well, and they've all been in the same shit the entire time, so it's not like they've had... Yeah, they've, they've got all these relationship to... bonuses. And they've, <laughs> they've been able to find out all of the, the quirks. quirks of the ship. Also, Millie's photographed wars, you know. Does she have any improvised weapon bonuses? So we cut I, back from the opening to the Minerva burning on the moon. I do like the shot of the Minerva, although I, I should also remember to point out there's no oxygen in space, so what's the fire coming from? I was actually wondering if it was... I was going to point out the same thing, and I came up with an explanation, which is it's venting gases from inside. If it is venting oxygen, then theoretically it would stay on fire until the fuel had exhausted itself there. Yeah. It's just a weird look because it doesn't look like there's anything there. It is a really neat shot of the Minerva crashed on the moon, though. It's also possible someone didn't think about how physics worked when they wrote that. Well, given how zero (laughs) gravity seems to work differently in every different shot of these shows, you're probably right. Yeah, I love that sometimes they need space conveyor belts to move around. Other times they're just floating completely. Other times they're just walking normally. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So remember last episode when Neogenesis was charging? It's about ready, and Durandal's like, hurry up, we'll use it to eliminate the orb forces at the mouth of Requiem. Where are the legend and the destiny? And they're like, <laughs> um, sir, you're not going to like this. I love how they ask, where's the legend and the destiny? And you can see the legend with one leg and missing everything else, just floating around in front of them. Ray's helmet is cracked. It looks like he's taken a bullet it through does. it. And also at Green 18 Beta, it's the freedom. And Durandal's like, ah, fuck, as we see Ray (laughs) open his eyes. Kira regroups with his girlfriend and is like, hey, I know you like giving me stuff. Give me the Meteor. I'm going to fuck it up. I'm going to wreck it. (laughs) Lacus looks extremely happy when she says Kira's name there. Yeah, she's like, oh, my boyfriend's not dead. And Durandal's like, ah, Lacus and Kira? Well, it can't be helped. We'll just have to deal with them later. I don't know what his plan is is at this point. It is also important to note that uh, Kira told Lacus to take the Eternal farther back to get it out of the line of fire. Yep. And so Durandal's like, okay, we're going to take out the orb forces at the cannon's mouth, and then we can wipe them up. And tell our guys to get out of the way. And I love that it (laughs) pops up on Izak's screen, and he immediately yells at the Eternal to get out of the way. That's actually kind of neat. It is. It also happened in the original series. And it, I, I find it kind of a lame repeat because it was literally Isaac who told them, hey, get out of the way. Of the original Genesis. The first time it fired. Which oh, is okay. why the Free Ships Alliance suffers no casualties. Because Isaac warned them? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that Isaac would be warning them because yeah. of the fact that he is, according to their stuff, he's still on their side. So he's getting all their messages. But you're right, it, having it be the same thing is a lot it, it rhymes too much. I do love how Wolf is like, Isaac, Jewel, are you on our side? I don't remember you being on our <laughs> side. <laughs> but he just tells Lacus to get everybody to get out of the way. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the Eternal is not in the firing arc anyway, because last episode they said they were going to the rear, but everyone else is. Kira's worried about Atherton and Maru, but luckily the Justice and the Akatsuki are just near the giant laser. <laughs> 
and the Archangel and the Azuma class ships also dodge out of the way. But we see some Nazca class ships being destroyed, as well as what must be the last Earth Forces ship left. <laughs> and presumably the Nazcas that exploded were actually Zaft Forces because Arthur identifies them. Yep. And, and they all look horrified. And Tally's like, Gilbert, how could you? Shot of Ray still alive and Kigali still in this series, kind of, <laughs> but not really. As the Requiem starts booting up, Atherin and Maru have just gotten here, and they're like, ah, we gotta hurry. Yep, there it was, with Atherin having the uh, backpack. Yep, yep. Requiem's about to fire. The, we see the Justice use a shield to get through this. That's and fine. The- I actually really like the Akaski just casually going through. <laughs> I, I kind of like it, too, just because of the fact that it is kind of also tracking on the Akatsuki being able to reflect laser beams and yeah. stuff. So being able to go through the beam shield so easily. Yeah, presumably it's the same stuff that makes up beams as Well, it, I mean, it kind of makes sense with that because Atherin gets through by disrupting it with the beam shield that he has. Yep. And Zach, this is what happens to the Justice's backpack. Atherin has gotten over blowing himself up to destroy giant death weapons, but he still needs to blow something up. So he sends in the backpack. Moo sends down the funnels, and they manage to destroy Requiem in time. It still has some sort of ejaculation. <laughs> and so they run out of it as it is exploding behind them. Death Star 2 style. Hey, remember how Shin was having an out-of-body experience in the Star Ocean? At the very this end is, of the last episode? Th- this is so weirdly placed because we've we've just come out of a pretty high octane couple of sets with the downing of the Minerva and the destruction of Requiem and now it's like here's Shin. I think it's to build tension on whether or not Mu and Atherin got out but I don't really think it works. I don't either because Mu and Atherin are not gonna die. They did get a line that. beforehand and it doesn't th- seem like my inner bard says that's not thematically appropriate for them to not get a line before they blow up. Or in a situation like that where they have literally succeeded and are leaving the exploding super weapon. In that kind of a case, like the, the more appropriate thing of them dying is them going in and then it coming out of it. And then you just see the explosion and it's like as the super weapon like starts to go off and then explodes, it's like, did they survive it? Like, I, that's the thematically appropriate, did they survive it type of thing. Yeah, I agree with you, Zach. The problem is they do that exact scene later in this episode, only worse. So I, I, I know, <laughs> I know they do. So I wonder if that's what they're going here. Anyway, Shin is like, Stella, did I take some of the chairman's stuff before this battle? <laughs> I tried to stay straight and sing out in the hangar away from them. Anyway, Stella, it's dangerous here. There's like explosions everywhere. And she's like, it's fine. I just came here for a moment. I'm dead anyway. What else can you then he's can like, do to me? Can't you tell from moment? how naked I am? Okay. I was going to say at this point, Shin turns into Riku and can only repeat the things that are said to him for the next like eight lines. So he does. <laughs> and Stella's like, yeah, right now we can only be together for a minute, but the future will be better tomorrow. <laughs> so Shin, tomorrow? And she's like, also, thanks to you, I have a yesterday, which is a super weird thematic thing. I get what they're going for. She was essentially in a liminal state before where she had no memories. It was the present was all she knew. Yeah. The problem is this weirdly implies that death is better than that, which is not what I think Gundam Seed Destiny is trying to say. It's, it is a very <laughs> strange thing. Like, I understand why they are going into it here with Stella, like you said, being present and that's all she had was a big thing, but they didn't really explore that necessarily for that character. It makes me wonder if it was supposed to be a bigger plot point than it actually was. That's possible. I mean, you could definitely tie it in with some of the Moo stuff later, too. And they did not. It's also super weird to me that Stella's alone here. I feel like she and Mayu should both be here. I feel like Shin would have a way better out-of-body experience with both his sister figures. <laughs> I feel like that one is more important to him also. Also Flay in the background again. Well, I mean, I made the joke about Flay, but 
Flay would also kind of make sense showing up here, mainly due to the- Would she? I think you're wrong. Finish your thought. (laughs) Mainly due to the fact that when she died, it was under very similar circumstances. So her showing up to basically turn Shin around from having more or less the same ideas she had for a lot of Gundam Seed would make a lot of sense for- That said, her showing up for one episode at the end for a character she'd never met would be very strange. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a Shin-Flay relationship, if Flay had survived, would be incredibly interesting. Not even a romantic relationship necessarily, but just like what her opinions on him would be and how they would bounce off each other. I think that would be fascinating. But only the audience knows who she is. Whereas obviously he knows who Mayu is. And comparing this to the Flay scene, since we brought it up, while there are problems with that scene, it's Gundam bullshit. Flay has unresolved dramatic issues that get resolved because she gets to apologize to Kira as a ghost, right? I don't feel like Stella has those issues. I can see why they might kind of think they're doing something similar, but you're right. She kind of got all of her things through, and this is more for Shin. I think that's the it's yeah. supposed to rhyme with the Flay stuff, but it's more supposed to be for Shin than the other one was. But like, it just feels weirdly out of place. Yeah, and you know this is all bullshit stuff. But Shin is not a new type, so he should not be able to see ghosts. So what if we think about the theory that this is just Shin having like a more literal out-of-body experience and this is all in his head? I was actually going to suggest that, and I'm wondering (laughs) if it's like supposed to be him coming to terms with a lot of stuff. Actually, because of the character design as what we see Shin later, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I. but then- If you look- Later, when when they go back to showing him actually in the present, his there's a pad on his helmet. So at some point, his oh, helmet his got helmet cracked, cracked. Yeah. so he's lost I was going to point that out uh, because it's such a silly thing that they have little sticky pads to fix cracks in the helmets. I mean, isn't that what real astronauts use? I honestly have no idea. I think it is. I think there at least is some kind of patching kit. It feels like it's an even weirder scene from that perspective, because it feels like Mayu should be here even more, and maybe Luna also. Maybe if it went through the different women in his life and his progress, I think that would work a lot better. Instead, it's just Stella being like, hey, thanks for yesterday. See you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel a lot like this is basically them being like, yeah, the Gundam Force Ghosts. Like, yeah, but Shin's not a new type. He can't see Force Ghosts. And to be fair, Kira wasn't supposed to be a new type necessarily in Seed. He definitely is by this point. So it's more just taking on the trope but i wanted to bring up the idea because also the background is not the same as when flay was like hey my true feelings will protect you now beat that asshole he is a jerk and he sniped (laughs) me from behind and she's like tomorrow okay tomorrow and she's like what the hell just happened so we see two balls of light that are obviously the akatsuki and the justice escape the requiem as a giant fireball shoots out of it like the beam there's a pretty good shot as we pull away from it of the wrecked destiny and impulse on the moon. <laughs> the impulse is kneeling over the destiny. And this is where Gil has realized, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, they're both dead? Wait a minute, you mean the moon laser's dead? Cut to everybody looking determined, except for Gladys, who looks just shell-shocked. Yeah. Cut to Luna, who's got Shin in her lap, you know, the way anime characters do. And like every girl wants to hear, Shin says the name of his ex-girl's sister. <laughs> <laughs> Man, would that be an awkward hurdle to get over? I mean, I assume she's just happy he's speaking and is alive, given her reaction. And like you said, he has the patch. Presumably Luna put it there. So she hugs his head. He's like, oh, you're okay. And he's like, what is that giant fireball? And what she's the like, hell? Uh, well, the Requiem. Orb wasn't hit, which causes Shin to start to break down. 
meanwhile, Kira fucking up Neo Genesis. <laughs> Kira's like, I get to solo this bitch. I mean, this is basically what the meteor was built for, I presume. They mostly use it to destroy a bunch of small targets, but he takes out the weird fortress ring it has, yeah, which I, must do something. I feel like the the uh, meteors were designed to give the justice and freedom, like, actual ability to take down battleships and stuff. I mean, mobile suits already take down battleships. We see it all the time. I feel like it's like fortress assault gear. Yeah, space stations. And oh, I guess the ring was the shield. And like, yeah, I'm afraid the deflector shield is not operational. And Kira is coming. And the yeah. freedom is coming. <laughs> I think he's coming for you, Chairman. I was going to say he's going to come give you a taste of freedom. It's also the eternal is behind it. It's going to be eternal freedom. <laughs> so they missiles right at the cannon mouth. Which explodes violently. And Kira runs into one of the bays. I don't know why they still have ships in reserve, but Kira takes them out. And the explosion gets to the throne room. And then Kira kills a bunch everybody of people. but Gilbert. <laughs> and a scene that is added uh, to this, uh, Atherin is concerned for Kira and goes in. Atherin did not board the fortress in the original version. Really? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense him going after Kira because we already know that Atherin does have a like does care for Kira as a definitely as a friend. Yeah. And that is very dangerous what Kira is doing. So it's like I need to back him up because we all know how good he is with guns. Cut to Shin, who is finally going to Luna for support instead of just saying, I'll protect you, and I, is crying at her. I actually really like the animation of him, like, blindly grappling at her. Yeah. Um, and they are both sobbing, which is not great in Zero-G, It's low to Zero-G. Shin is sobbing. I feel like Luna is, like, sympathetically tearing up. She's not... I think it's happy crying. She's yeah. like, oh my god, Shin's alive. Yeah. And he's finally relying on me for emotional support. This is all I've wanted. So Arthur's like, um, Captain... All the shit is fucked, not just ours. <laughs> and so Gladys gives the order to abandon ship. Yep. As Maru gives her a sad salute. And she's we like, win again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck with freedom. <laughs> uh, terrorists, your day is done. Um, so anyway, Gladys is like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to go down with the ship and have captain responsibilities and stuff, but uh, shonen anime bullshit, so Arthur, you can do that, right? <laughs> I have to go now. And Arthur's like, um, sure. I don't know what's going on. And Gladys is at least like, I'm sorry, but I have to take care of something. He's like, right. I think I respect you. (laughs) I mean, he's got a reason to be confused. This is out of character for Gladys. Yeah, he was usually very businesslike. And then we get a very early eye catch. Hello, everyone. It's the last episode of Gundam Seed Destiny. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this with us. There was a whole Bill Divers that happened in the middle there. And hey, even if you didn't listen all the way through, thanks for listening to this one. As we're wrapping this one up and moving on to our next project, hey, if you liked Destiny and are excited about our next thing, or not, I guess, um, but either way, want to show us your support uh, outside of just hanging around and being cool people in our Discord, consider heading over to our Patreon and throwing some money at us. Uh, we actually really appreciate it. And at the $5 level, you get access to all of the side stuff that's on the Patreon and access to all episodes as they finish being edited. We're pretty excited, at least for some of the stuff, about the next project that we're doing. It's still Gundam-themed. That's the name of the podcast. It's, it, it's, it's a Gundam. We do other stuff, obviously, but we all know why everyone's here. Anyway, thank you again so much for listening, and back to the episode. Cut to the wrecked Death Star throne room, and Kira is going on through the elevator. With no helmet. I presume he took that off. But why? Uh, Uh, So you can see his face. Well, 
Honestly, taking off his helmet does make a certain amount of sense thinking about it because peripheral vision. Yeah, I mean, presumably, given the small scene we'll see with Athrun later, he probably shot at least a guy to get here. That's fair. I'm just thinking they're on a space station that's been heavily damaged and no, I may think, or may not be life support. I, I think uh, Kira just had an extra gun, which he promptly threw at the guy that he had to <laughs> get rid of to get through here. Fair. So Athrun had to take him out later. So Durundal spins around on his chair. Yes, he span it around to look back, waiting for someone to show up. And goes all, what is a man? A miserable pile of secrets. Honestly, it actually <laughs> makes a little bit of sense to me that he turned it around because this is the complete devastation of everything he has, and that's a big fucking window. True. And he's like, honestly, I didn't think you would make it so far. But now, it's time to fight me. I have three forms, Kira Yamato. <laughs> we also see that Ray has made it here, and he is jumping up and down like a bunny. To, I think uh, it's supposed to, to imply that it's low gravity, but we haven't seen anybody else doing this. And Kira pulls a gun on Durandal. Yep, which he's just, I see. But are you sure that's the best solution? And Durandal points a gun back at him. And Kira's like, oh, two guns. Hadn't considered that. <laughs> so now we see Gladys entering the fortress aboard a shuttle with like a spacesuit on. Yeah. Durandal's like, I'm going to try to talk you onto my side because fighting you is clearly not going my way. <laughs> <laughs> I totally got a thought of him going, why are you fighting against me? This is everything you wanted because you shot at my girlfriend. Mm. Like, just have it be that, that that simple. You shot at my girlfriend. I would stop you anyway. And Jordan will be like, mm, I was hoping that wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, like, yeah, we've made it this far. If you kill me, the world's going to return to darkness and chaos. I am not exaggerating. I do like Kira's response to this, though. Yeah, I actually think this confrontation is okay. I feel like the characters involved are kind of weird. I feel like Shin should be here. I, I feel like Lackis like, should be here. It does feel like we're missing a couple of people. Yeah. When everybody else shows up, even. We're yeah. missing a couple of people. And, and original, Athern isn't even here. And, like You can tell he doesn't do anything. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Athern shows up. <laughs> and by that, I mean he parks the Justice right next to the Freedom so they can leave together. <laughs> I still think the cockpits on those are really dumb. But I the, like the, them, but. the elevators, like that's just silly. I mean, it puts you further in. It gives you more protection, right? Because you are deeper inside. Yeah, but consider battle damage with one of those yeah, things. Yeah, I and understand. And the rail getting damaged. How are you going to get out? I assume there's also an eject function. Do I mean, it violently. It's probably better than the zone of the Ender's cockpit. But so. the thing is, if it's going to eject in the standard fashion of blowing all the bolts and sending you up straight up, if the rails are already out of damage, besides that, all the extra bits you have to put on that to add in there but i guess i mean you're already spending <laughs> all a, the money of your economy all the money you're spending the entire gdp of some moderate sized nations <laughs> so kira responds to durundal it'll go back to being everything with we'll choose not to let that happen yeah but and then durundal goes on to people always say that when something bad remember two years ago they repeat like people, the same mistakes. Yeah. It's Zach's argument, basically, which is one of the reasons I said you were maybe not engaging with the premise enough. I think for anything to make sense, we have to assume that Durundal's plan has a chance of working, of overcoming human nature, because his argument here is kind of, yeah, human nature is the problem. Uh, that is what we need to defeat. And I have I am the first person to propose a solution to it. I, although I also do kind of wish that maybe Moo and Maru and Walt felt the older characters' objection to Durundal's plan was your objection, Zach, that human nature won't allow it. And maybe the younger characters, the more ideal characters, could be like, even if it works, like, there are these downsides. This is one of those things that happened recently. I've been watching a different series, and someone comes up with the same thing of, you know, people kill people, and then everybody, then 
someone goes and avenges them. While, you know, it's, it's that cycle of violence. Yeah. I was going to say, people don't kill people. Oh, wait. His <laughs> response to this whole thing is, when I die, don't avenge me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Durandal's like, you can't be certain about what's going to happen because you can't tell the future. And I kind of wish Kira came back with, neither can you. Yeah, but that's that's a little bit too pithy for Kira. Yeah. Even your girlfriend can't tell the future. <laughs> and she's lack as goddamn claw. He, he goes in and reiterates the whole, like, because no one can tell the future. Yeah. And I guess that kind of, his plan would be like pre- preordaining the future, right? It is the destiny plan. It, it is predestination. Yeah. Atherin takes out a guard. Actually, he doesn't Actually, take the yeah, guy yeah, out. Right. He, just he just jumps into the elevator. Him. You're right. Panting a little. And he's like, ah, Kira, come on. We see Ray show up in the throne room behind Kira. And Gil has just like a slight smirk, but tries to poker face it. As Kira's like, hey, we know that. But in our version, maybe people can get better. Which uh, we, we can change things, which causes Ray to flash back to what Kira yelled at him in the last episode. Yeah, about how he's not Ray. And so Kira's like, that's why we want a world that can change, even if we're going to suffer for it. And so Durandal's like, ah, you're so arrogant. I guess you are the ultimate goddamn coordinator. And I love Kira's response to this because people keep attacking him as the ultimate coordinator. And he's like, I'm just a dude. I'm just one man. Just like my girlfriend. And again, I kind of wish we had gotten more of Kira and Lackis wanting to be normal people. And their arc in this series being realizing they can't be. They have to step up and be world shakers. And also, this goes back to the whole, like, I wish they'd set Ray up with his whole, like, being Rao thing better. Because we see this, what what Kira's saying about, you know, me and Lackis wanting to only be ordinary people and we're just ordinary people really gets to Ray in the back. Yeah. And he doesn't even know he's there. He's just yelling at Durundle. And, and Kira's like, in conclusion, I must shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea of the diplomacy score being so high. They're just trying to get one another to agree on who gets to shoot who. <laughs> well, here's the, the thing about that is this is like one of the second times Kira has made the like calculated decision. You must die. Yeah. Again, not as impactful as the first time. But I also think that this time he has to talk himself into it more because Gilbert didn't manage to kill his girlfriend. Well, and one of the other differences is that it was the machine in the previous one and he could always look back and say Requiem killed him. But in this case, he has to literally shoot Gil with a handgun. Yeah. Speaking of, Gladys shows up with a handgun coming up one of the elevators on this line. As Kira starts psyching himself, getting ready to shoot, Ray pulls his gun. As Durandal goes, oh, but between your world and mine, which do you think the people would prefer? If you shoot me now, what are you going to do when the world gets thrown into chaos again? And this is the line I really like where he's like, I'll fight. And Kira's I, like, I, I'm I, Kira goddamn Yamato. I, I, do like, I do like his comeback of just, I'm ready for that to, to happen. I'll fix it again. I mean, because this is the only thing that's like development for Kira in the series, right? Because at the beginning, he wasn't willing to go into the war again. He was, you know, sitting there kind of catatonic. And like I said, he has accepted that he has to be the general. He has to um, give orders <laughs> if he wants the future he wants. Mm-hmm. Atherin shows up on the <laughs> now elevator. Now the last person shows up. Now everybody has guns and they're pointing at everybody else. I mean, it's a decent Mexican standoff situation. The Kinda, tension exists. Because well, we know Kira is like, it's me and Gil- it's me and Durundle, and those are the only people who are here. <laughs> and Durundle knows Ray's there. Gr- Durundle knows Gladys is there, too, because oh, she's he? standing off to the side of yeah. Kira, but okay. in front of uh, Ray. How did you think the situation was going to resolve, Tyler? Did the tension work for you as someone who hadn't seen the series before? I don't think it was particularly tense, because I feel like Durundle dies is the answer to this. I was not sure 
how that was going to happen with so many players in the room. I think that's more of the case is with the number of people in the room pointing guns, the question is not does Durundle die, it is who shoots. Yeah, and like who shoots who, right? Because someone could shoot at Ray. Yep. Someone could shoot at Kira, someone could shoot at Durundle. There are lots of potential people who could die. Anyway, there's a bang. Kira <laughs> is shocked. So it wasn't him. So I, I immediately had the. Well, I mean, with Kira, it could very well be him. Yeah, I, think I just it had. Could. I fair. just had the immediate thought when I saw that of, the, you know, the gunshot goes off. Kira looking at his gun, going, I "Thought there was supposed to be recoil." <laughs> Gladys is also shocked. We can see smoke coming from Ray's gun as we get a close in on Atherin. That again was not in the original because Atherin was not here, and he turns his gun to Ray as Gilbert starts dramatically falling over. He tries to land in the chair but misses, and Kira turns around and discovers there are other people here. <laughs> and Ray falls to the floor sobbing. Gladys notes him. This is also added. Gladys and Ray don't have any interaction in the original. And Kira's like, shit, hey, there are other people here. Hey, Atherin, when do you get here? And Atherin's like, Ray, I feel like I should say something to you. Oh, wait, I wasn't here originally. Bye. <laughs> so Ray is obviously having a complete breakdown because he just shot Durundle. And since they finished the final boss's final form, there are more explosions going on. As Talia goes up to Durundle and puts him in his lap and he's like, Oh, hey, girl. Were you the one who shot me? That would track. (laughs) With with everything else that uh, how our attitude towards him has been going on, especially the last, you know, killing a bunch of their own people. I mean, even the last time they actually spoke, she was being very cold to him. I I do actually love this bit of Durundle. But on Terry Tally, he's like, nah, it was Ray. He's like, Ray? Shit, I did not have any money on him. (laughs) Damn. He is surprised. And... Ray is just apologizing because Kira's diplomacy check won him over. His tomorrow was way better than your tomorrow. Tomorrowland. And Gil's like, well, I understand. Kira looks at a sobbing Ray. Atherin's there too, I guess. But stuff is still exploding. Atherin goes up. He's like, hey, Gladys. But she points a gun at both of them. He's like, hey, you guys need to go. I'm going to be like a Valkyrie and take his soul to the devil personally or something. That sounds cool. I, (sighs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Should we get into it? I hate this. Yeah. Gladys really hasn't seemed to be on his side lately, but wants to die with him? I guess. Abandoning her child. Like, that's another important thing to remember. She is abandoning her child to die with somebody who seems like she has hated in the last couple of episodes. And if she had actually shot him, I might like this more as like, I I didn't go down with my ship, but I'll go down with like, I'll take responsibility for this. For shooting him. But also that flies in the face of the Atherin suicide stuff at the end of Seed. Yeah, like, it's very confusing. I, I feel like this is just someone was like, oh, yeah, they, they were totally in a relationship, so this tracks. And it's like, I mean, maybe if they were still together together, but the way you've been portraying her all the way through the series is growing more and more cold towards Gilbert and being less and less trusting of him. On I mean, the other hand, seeing a person that you loved at one point getting shot may drastically change your opinions on things all of a sudden. That's true. And they were definitely having sex on the Minerva at the start of the series. I really wish we had seen more of their relationship. What I really wish is that, like, Gladys fell in love with him because he was an idealist, and, like, he is now enacting his ideal plan, but doing it in a shitty way, and she doesn't know how she feels about it. That would make some sense. Here, it just feels like, oh, kind of like just a uh, flay getting a- axed at the end, but this is a constant, this is a character's conscious decision to commit suicide. To me, it feels like, just putting her on a pedestal in like the ideal Japanese woman way, which is a problem Gundam has a lot. I haven't brought up Zeta Gundam in a while, but Zeta Gundam is a heavy influence on especially the early parts of Destiny. 
And there's a character in Zeta Gundam named Emma Sheen, who's just like the perfect Japanese woman. And she dies at the end, and it's very sad. But like, I feel like they're trying to throw Gladys in that role, which has not been her character to this point. And I think not Luna remotely. suffers from it a little bit too, but Luna is more forgivable because she's at least in a relationship with Shin, right? I buy that Luna wants Shin's affection in a way I don't buy that Gladys feels she needs to go down with Gilbert. I keep thinking about that, and I go back to the fact that she does have a kid, even if she doesn't necessarily love the dude who gave her the kid. She has this kid, and we know she cares about him. And while I agree for me with a morals, from a moral standpoint, that's reprehensible. From a character standpoint, it could be very interesting that in the past she chose a child over her relationship with Gilbert, and now she is making a different decision. But, like, we need anything to get us yep. there. Yep, we do. As it stands, they're just axing another female character for the sake of axing a character here. And again, I think we need some character deaths and some character we like deaths, but this is an awful way to get one. I, I think it would be better if uh, when the Minerva went down, like it would also help this if she was actually critically wounded. Yeah, if she was so dying she, when she, she was came to do yeah, this. So she was already dying when she does this. Atherin and Kira are sad, but Gladys is like, hey, tell Captain Ramius that I have a son. And she should go visit him. Not sure why she told Kira this in the original. Telling Atherin, it tracks a little bit more than me. She at right. least knows that guy. Well, the reason why it makes a little bit of sense to me here is Kira is the only one, would be the only one here. Like, if she wants to yeah. tell Maru something, she can't exactly do that herself. And she knows that Kira, well, presumably Kira is going to go talk to Captain Ramius again. So he is her option. I also wish that Gladys and Maru had more of a relationship. Because they've been really leaning on that lately, but they met once and had a phone call. Yep. She had all those flashbacks to Maru. I'm like, remember that five-minute conversation we had that one time? Anyway, I think I can trust her with my son. She, she, she beat me asked... at battleship combat. That's the most... We showed, We became shonen friends. You could not imagine the friendship we got from that. So, <laughs> yeah, so she just... She tells them to ask Maru to visit her son. Yeah. So they leave sad. I really feel, especially with Atherin here, but even in the original, they should like take Ray with them because Ray has kind of come around to their side. Leaving him to die feels super weird. I know he's going to have a short life, but his entire arc was you're not Rally Crusade, be yourself. And now is the time where he can actually be himself. But he's going to do that for about 12 seconds I mean, before he explodes. Even here. if they were to like offer to take him with them and him refusing would be better because like they stop before they leave. And then just go. Talia yells at Ray to come over here. You die too, Ray. Yeah, you can die with us. <laughs> we can pretend to be a family for two seconds. And then Kira and Atherin are like, all right, you're on your own. <laughs> and they just leave. That seems really out of character, at least for Kira in this. Like, at the very least, why not offer to bring him with them? Yeah. So Gil is like, books, Talia, I'm sorry, but worth. <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, oh, you're such a scamp. <laughs> Committing genocide love. and killing all of our own guys who are looking to you. Just so you could lay in my lap. And she's like, maybe it was destiny. And Gilbert's like, Gundam Sea Destiny. <laughs> hey, I made a Gundam called that. He actually does say, give me a break, which is, I guess he's not the idealist after all, as the justice and freedom start taking off from explosions. And Tali's like, Ray, I'm your mom now. Good job, Good job son. That would also make a bit more sense if we had a bit more of a relationship between Ray and Gladys. Yep. But we don't. They had some, but... Well, they had a they working had, relationship. They had yeah. something, but they never really went into detail. 
So Neo Genesis is exploding. We get a shot of the ship's alliance formed. They're like, oh, what about Catherine and Kira? What if they're dead? Fields of Hope starts playing. And then we see the Justice and Freedom escape a fireball and pose dramatically before Gladys hugging Ray, who calls him mom, explode. It's actually a pretty nice explosion sequence. And Genesis falls into the moon. As Kira watches and is like, Yes, I did this. (laughs) That's number two. We get a lot of pensive shots of various characters watching this, including back shots of Shin and Luna on the moon, who are still crying. We get the justice and freedom amid a sea of stars. Sad Atherin, sad Kira. Happy Lackis. And a shot of a goof with a sword in it. This is the final shot of the original run of Gundam Sea Destiny. Okay. This is how it ends. I mean, as a final episode in isolation... Fine. Except for the fact that you have two characters that are currently abandoned on the moon. I mean, fine. So someone will pick them up. (laughs) Yeah, it was such a dissatisfying ending. I think the extra six, seven minutes we get really adds a lot. I definitely would agree with you. I think they do as well. Although the bit of Mayron being like, hey, your boyfriend's fine, Lacus, is not great. Again, feels very similar to the end where like everyone's like, where's Kira? But then it felt like he might have died or something. And, you know, he was thrown out in space on his own. Yeah. Here, it really doesn't have that pensiveness. Uh, the Minerva crew escaped fine. Arthur is giving a salute. Olakis oh, calls the Guadana and is like, hey, you're in charge, right? Ceasefire? Ceasefire. Well, I mean, that is probably the biggest ship around. So presumably, whoever's on board that is probably the highest ranking surviving Zaft officer. Yeah. Also, I'm not even sure if you know who's in charge right now. You're as good a person as any. So we see a bunch of random Zaf pilots shocked by this. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because they all believe the idea that these were all new logos and would just steamroll them. And then we start getting all shots of people launching retrieval signals. Yep. Although I do feel like if you were going to do that, you'd probably have different retri- try and make different retrieval signals. It's a Zaf ship, isn't it? yeah but the archangel has the same one it does because like you could easily start launching those to trick your opponents into going back to their ship anyway baby you're a firework yes i do actually really like the shot of luna and shin getting to see the pretty scene of the end of the war and shin still has the pad on the crack of his faceplate as he remembers atherd asking what kind of world he wants as he looks at his broken mobile suit and his girlfriend's broken mobile suit it's less broken. I presume that's how she got here. Well, obviously. She must have landed there. And Heather is like, hey, wait a minute. Hang on. I don't remember where I left them. She's <laughs> like, all right, well, that's not my problem. Yeah. Kira's like, if I keep lacking any longer, I will never hear the end of it. <laughs> I know how she is after battles. Moo gives his flirty head tilt to Maru as he lands. As Atherin's like, hey, hey, ride in my hand. You can come hang out on the Eternal. It'll be cool. Your sister's there. I feel like they were probably not on the Eternal. I feel like Atherin was. No, I feel like when they when they bring Shin and Luna Maria back, I don't think they're on board the Eternal. You think? He, where do you think he takes them? I would bet either they put he puts them on one of the Zaft ships or onto the Archangel. In part because of the meeting that happens in a couple of minutes. Uh, that's fair. My joke was that he only let Luna get in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shin. Now, as punishment for your transgressions, you have to ride outside. We get a shot of the Plant Supreme Council being like, what the fuck do we do? Why are our leaders so such megamaliacal maniacs? That's going to be fun to edit, Jeremy. Megalomaniacal? Yeah, megalomaniacal. That is an awkward word to say. It is. 
We see a bunch of shocked people seeing this. Presumably they were on Team Destiny Plan, except for that one woman angrily holding her boyfriend. <laughs> Shot of the, the girl from earlier in the series. And the Desert Dawn. Remember them? Was that? <laughs> That's that, them. <laughs> yeah, uh, that wasn't the... No. That, that was last series, That was right? Gundam Seed. That was the Walt Felt arc. What were they doing all this time? Just kind of chilling? chilling? Making coffee. <laughs> Look, Zaf didn't invade them a second time. We get a bunch of paparazzi taking pictures of Kigali. Still no lines, but shaking the hand of someone. And subtitles tell us that the Orb Union and the plants agree to a truce. I guess the Earth Force's just entire military has been destroyed, and they're not relevant anymore. <laughs> well, that's sure how this ending feels. Also, they're, uh, the, the guy in charge of one of the biggest nations is also dead. I you don't feel think like they have the, a vice president? I think the Earth Forces are currently in like complete and total disarray. I mean, so is the leader of the plants, though. Yeah, but they also had a council there. True. I feel the US must have a Congress still, right? I feel like I feel <laughs> like it's mostly a matter of there's no there's no military for the Earth Forces. Their leadership is in so many pieces because so many of them are dead. It turns out they were actually all in Germany while Stella was there. A, a good chunk of their high command was yep. in, was in Germany. And then further subtitles tell us that at the request of the plant council, Lacus Klein is allowed to return to the plants after the after serving as a mediator between the two nations. And they were like, please lead us because everybody, we feel like you're the person who's not going to turn into a maniac. She's like, joke's on you. Lacus' <laughs> counterattack. <laughs> We get a quick shot of Diarca indicating that he is not dead. I do love the Bridge of the Eternal with the Jewel team on it. I don't know why, but something about- I don't know why Diarca is not here. Isaac uh, left him in charge of their old ship. He took his girlfriend and like two other guys to the Eternal. She is escorted by the Archangel as well, so it's clearly yeah, some sort of fuck with force. that? Cut to seagulls. And hey, it's the Cenotaph with the Hawk Sisters plus Athrid and Shin. And the entire like- the memorial that was around this is gone. And Luna remembers Shin telling her his parents don't have a grave, just a little memorial. Marin looks like she's getting ready to go shopping. She, I know. I love her dress also. It's great. Look, she knew Atherin's going to be here. She has to impress. <laughs> Atherin looks behind him, but we don't see anything there except for a little bit of destruction. Well, it's where the memorial used to be before presumably Zaft invaded Orb again. They're all very sad, and Shin eventually breaks the silence by being like, hey, I hated this place, but I couldn't get it out of my head. It would have been nice if I had told anyone about this, like, 20 episodes ago. Well, you know, th he's finally becoming not a shitty teenager. It took him 50 episodes and then an extended ending. <laughs> as well as having his, uh, his elders beat it into him. Yeah. But he's like, I didn't want this, though. And he remembers... His family being killed, and what he said about how no matter how beautiful the flowers are, people are going to blow them away again. And Shin's like, looking at this place now, I hate it even more. Because stupid teenage me was right. Can you imagine how bad it would be if you as a stupid teenager were right? <laughs> oh, dear God, that's terrifying. Luna goes to comfort him, and he's just like, no, I want to brood for a bit. It's not really broody. It's more like getting his emotions out. And... Everyone else is just being supportive and being there. And then Birdie. <laughs> Birdie. And Atherin is like, damn, it took you long enough. Presumably, Lacus came from the plants, right? Yeah, like, this is weird that it happens after them showing Lacus going to the plants. Because that implies that, timeline-wise, this came after. But then why did she take the extra time to come 
back. It would make more sense to do this while she is being mediator. Yes. And they haven't returned to the plants yet. Or, you know, this is before her boyfriend is allowed in the plants and shows she came to visit him, just on the DL. But yeah, Kira and Lacus are there, and Athrun's like, hey. And Mayron's like, what? No one told me they were coming. And she's like, yeah, who are those guys? <laughs> I don't re- Well, I mean, obviously he would recognize Lacus. She, she's dressed down. Well, she's also famous. Yeah. But who's that dude with her? Like, who the hell cares about him? Wait, I think I recognize that guy. <laughs> Haven't I met you before? He's At just a memorial guy spot. to him. So Lacus also put some flowers down. I like how Luna gives like a shrug, like she's not entirely sure what's going on. And Mayron's like, just happy to be here. <laughs> I Mayron's more that reads to me more like, ah, oh, she's cool. She's just a person. I went shopping with her. It was fun. She's great. She made she uh, teased the shit out of her boyfriend. It was great. <laughs> Poor and then I got to do all the secret agent stuff they trained me for. <laughs> Best day ever. <laughs> you paused it here, and it lo- and Kira just looks like he rolled out of bed. <laughs> He he is tired and his sad look alarmingly the same. But Kira and Lacus both look exhausted in this scene, which I'm going to say is jet lag from the plants. <laughs> so Athern's like, hey, Shin, this guy's Kira. This is the pilot of the freedom. <laughs> I love Shin's reaction here because he just looks absolutely poleaxed. Like he's not entirely sure what Kira's going to do to him now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Shin may have weirdly deified the pilot of the freedom because it was a faceless person to him before. But he survived death. Well, I think you're right about that. Because first, he killed uh, death by taking out the freedom. And then when it came back later, he survived his second encounter with death. Yeah. But then Kira just holds out his hand. And after a moment, he goes, "Uh, maybe not. I guess not. All right. But before he puts it down, Shin grabs it. It's a nice, firm handshake. And this sends Birdie off forever until the movie. Finally. Finally, we are rid of this curse. I actually really like this scene between Kira and Shin. I do, too. I think it's got a lot of strong impact. I kind of wish there had been more direct conflict between Kira and Shin before. Because as you pointed out, their one big fight, Kira is mostly just running away. If they felt more like a, a Shar Amuro rivalry, I think this would be stronger. But I agree with you. Even without that, it feels very strong. It is Shin kind of reaching out. Not quite for help, but... The the, the way they have uh, Lacus in that scene right there, right before that, she doesn't look quite right, and I don't know exactly what it is about her that makes it look that way. I was thinking she looked weird this entire scene while I was watching it the first time. She does. She's definitely drawn differently. So Shin tries to figure out what to say, and Kira, responding to what Shin said the last time they met, says, hey, no matter how badly they blow them apart, we'll always plant flowers again. It's a metaphor. Apparently, this was the answer Shin was looking for because his reaction is, wait, we can do that? (laughs) I think it's more that now he is ready for that answer. And Athens like, yeah, that's the battle we fight. You should join us on like our secret cool mobile soup club that'll show up in Super Robot Wars games and manuals for the Zaku. We'll get you a new destiny built. Don't worry. We we got a guy. We're we're totally going to Londo Bell this shit. I don't know who we're going to fight because there's no Char in this continuity. But... And you can tell it's classy because it starts playing the second verse of the ending theme song. As Shin grabs Kira's hand, starting to cry, and he's like, yeah. Other way around. Uh, Kira actually grabs Shin's hand. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Luna moves in to support him. Mayron's happy to be there. Lacus looks just exhausted, but she's like, yeah, this is good. I have other reasons why they're exhausted. this This is really weird to me. 
Yeah, me so too. The, the six people split up into three pairs. Yep. You have Luna and Shin. Who stay there, presumably because Shin still got stuff to work out. Uh, Kira and Lacus because they got to catch their flight back to the plants. I do love the way Kira and Lacus. they look so tired, but they're just like so snuggly. I really like it. And then you have Mayrin and Athrin, which... And Mayrin's just weird. following him like a puppy dog. <laughs> it, it's weird due to the implication. I think it might be just reading into things, but because the other two are very obviously couples, pairing Mayrin off with Athrin just feels weird. It also makes you realize, hey, Kigali wasn't here. It's weird that Kigali wasn't here. Yeah, there's that too. Actually, like I almost kind of feel like Luna and Shin aren't even together. Like I know they were kind of beforehand, but like they've they're also childhood friends. I mean, so that's not really. That's a fair read. They're definitely not snuggly the way the other two are. But I read this as they're still together. Okay. Yeah, I read this that they're also they're also kind of trying to feel out exactly how that's gonna go. Obviously, Kira and Lacus are very happy together and very happy with how they're going about doing things. Whereas Luna and Shin, especially because Shin's still got a lot of emotional distress to work through. That's fair, and they they didn't have the dramatic climax of Seed to get together. So. Yeah. Atherin looks very sad as he leaves, but Mayrin just looks like so happy, like she finally convinced Atherin to just do a quickie. Y- look, y- get over <laughs> her. And she's like, fine, you can be my rebound girl. And she's like, works for me. <laughs> now, word of God is that Kigali and Atherin are still together, but nothing in Gundam Seed Destiny tells me that. Like I said, this scene is just weird because of the fact that Kigali is not here and they're pairing Atherin off with Mayrin, which, like, I love Mayrin. She's great, but. This is just strange. Twist, Mayrin's too young to drive. That too. <laughs> yeah, Lacus looks like she's about to fall asleep. Yeah, this look they give each other to me says. That's right. And the way they walk off together. Uh, anyway, and then we get the thruple scene of Maru and Moo happy on their balcony while a oddly smiling Walt Phelps, which is how you know he's in on it and not getting cucked, is <laughs> making coffee. This is right after coffee. They're like, oh man. Well, you know what would be great to go out on the balcony and, like right after get refreshed and Ralph was like, you know what would be even better? More, More coffee. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so Maru gives Moo bedroom eyes. <laughs> I mean, Maru... you can't look at that and tell me that's not the come hither gaze. Well, and Maru returns with a nod. So <laughs> all this I should say was added in the compilation movies. It's not even in the extended ending. We get a shot of one of those plant elevators that I really like, although it looks like the... I always have assumed the bit in the back is like a mirror, but there are different people there, so no. (laughs) Hey, Uh, would you look at that? Atherin is finally at status where he's allowed to sit down on one of these. (laughs) Shin's got to stand, though. Luna and Mayron are sitting in the back as are Hilda and someone. The other two of the Black Tri-Stars are just standing here. As is Shin. Kira is in a Zaft uniform. It looked good on him, in my opinion. Like it looks, I don't disagree with you. It just looks weird to me because this is like the only time he ever shows up, at least in the series. Apparently, in some of the other ones, like his ultimate form is in the Zaft uniform. But his I ultimate seen it form in the video games that have multiple Kiras, the best one is Zaft uniform Kira. That's because he's gone through all of this shit to yeah. get here. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, if a bomb took out this elevator, it would save whoever the villain of the movie is a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, Lacus would come kill them herself, but. <laughs> so that's the actual plot of the next movie. Somebody aces Kira and so Lacus mounts Chokes up him in this to death. dark freedom. So they Kira. enter into like this audience chamber where Lacus and Diarca and a bunch of other people are. Arthur. We must point it, out it's it, it formal mob boss dress Lacus. Diarca is also in like a captain's uniform. The- he's in that like black captain's uniform. Yeah. Well, as Uzak is still in the white. I 
love this dress on Lacus. Her supreme chairwoman dress. This isn't the mm. same one, is it? Yeah, it is. It's just from a different angle. Uh, so oh, I, yeah, it is. I, uh, I agree with you. I really, I actually really like this dress. So Lacus and Kira see each other, and then they're like, uh, "Could we be formal?" And they're like, "No, fuck it. Gone with the wind. This shit." Um, I, Arthur and the other characters are like, "This is not proper." And Isaac and Diago are like. Saw that coming. I, Isaac's girlfriend back there was like super into it. Yeah. Look at her. Yep. <laughs> so, see, this Isaac is seems the weirdest, like genuinely into it too. Because this Isaac's is the smiling. weirdest scene in Destiny or Seed because Isaac has got a genuine smile. Yeah, the thing we never knew is he's actually really into romance fiction. <laughs> it just never comes up. And as this Derek have this like kind of like lazy dad smile. Like, well, oh, just kids. looks like, yeah. Yeah, I've seen them before. You owe me five, Arthur. Yeah, and Atherton and Marin seem happy for that, but Shin is also like, well, I knew they were together, but... One <laughs> of the black Trisars is like... <laughs> yeah, he looks absolutely horrified, like, wait, they're that together? Everybody else, even uh, Luna Mario looks the same way. Yeah. Yep. So Kira and Lacus have a good hug. I get it. it. I think it's more a matter of that they're doing this in public more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. And the final shot is mirrored shots of Kagali and Lacus walking into their respective government halls because boys aren't important, politicians are important. That is actually a really good dress. It looks like a formal version of her mob boss dress. Yeah. It's a shame she doesn't wear it more. I feel like it's almost a samurai outfit. And yeah. I- <laughs> I, if she drew a katana, she would not be out of nope. place. <laughs> well, that's what she said. She's like, oh, look, I'll be supreme uh, chairwoman. But if anyone starts shit, I get to pull out the katana. <laughs> so it's, it's hidden in the uh, the bow there? Yeah. The, the big ribbons? Where does she keep the Haro in the dress is the real question. Because <laughs> you know what's in there. There's a pocket in the actual like long <laughs> part of the dress. The skirt, that's what I'm, what I'm looking <laughs> The long for. part of, you know. <laughs> the long part of the dress, yeah, see? And that's Gundam Seed Destiny. Boy, sure was it. Who <laughs> boy. I do like that it ends with that hug. It's a good hug. It's and, a good hug. And a good dress. And a good shin being like, whoa. <laughs> Luna, I hope you don't want me to do that. I do not have that in me. I'm still only 16. <laughs> give it a couple of years. If we're still together, we'll give it another try. What were your thoughts, Tyler? We will, as we did with Seed, we will do a final thoughts episode. But yeah, this episode specifically, um, it is an okay wrap up to things. I actually really, I like the scene at the end where they're all at the memorial. So do I. Imagine this episode without that. I know, right? (laughs) Um, Like, I like the symbolic gesture of Shin moving forward by taking Kira's hand. I really like it, too, but it's even more frustrating that we don't have that movie because it's kind of, I want to say it's pointless as the end of the series, right? But, like, it's much more powerful if we get to see Shin after his development, right? Because we got to see Kira that way. But at least it does kind of conclude Shin's arc. Because at at the moment, we've seen Shin... Shin's art, you know, progress, then backslide, and now he's actually getting over that and, and progressing. But he's not actually showing any of his that growth, really, because the series is now over. Yeah. On the other hand, we talked about what an action boy he is, and his arc concluding by him not taking action is really interesting and kind of mirrors Kigali. Remember her? No, you don't. <laughs> I was going to say, Kigali, they were doing like the, and this happened, and this happened, like a standard end of movie sequence. I'm like, and Kigali oh, got back up to two lines a week. Uh. <laughs> well, Kigali goes back to where she started, more or less, especially because the series just drops her like a hot rock. Yeah, I, I think to some extent she has also learned some lessons about leadership, but the show's not interested in talking about that, so... Maybe it'll do something in the actual movie if we ever get that. Okay, 
let's put bets on the line. Let's say twenty dollars each a year. The movie comes out. Zach, I say at the very least two years. So two thousand twenty-two. Yeah, or I'm sorry, two thousand twenty-three. I'm going twenty twenty-four. Uh, I'm just going to go 2025, which feels like I'm Price is Writing, it, but it was what I had in mind anyway. No, so, watch I, it comes out next year. Oh, look, I'd love it. I, that's 20 bucks I'm happy to lose. Well, I, I guess I'm, no one took that. Yeah. yeah. So if it comes out next year- We owe the audience we, we, 20 bucks. We, we donate it to charity. <laughs> yeah, that works. Well, we'll find a nice charity, maybe one that helps women get over their abusive boyfriends. <laughs> It, the, the, Glad- the Talia Gladys Foundation. <laughs> I was going to make a joke uh, about something about uh, famished children or something to that effect uh, due to all the characters in Seed having lost weight. but <laughs> Also not bad. So Tyler, do you have a high point? Yes, but I'm honestly not. Ki- hmm. I have a bunch of middle points. So <laughs> Well, um... one of them has to be at higher elevation than the rest. <laughs> what is the actual high point of this? Th- I think I might just take... Uh, one of the easy ones, and I'm going to say the whole the whole monument scene. I think was pretty decent. Yeah, very strong contender. Zach, even though they didn't necessarily do their homework, I really like the twist there with uh, Ray shooting Durandal. I wish we had gotten the story that led up to that better, but I like what it was. Well, that's the, that's the thing of like it is not as good as it could be because they didn't do their homework. Again, that could easily be the Gundam Seed Destiny. Uh, subtitle there, Gundam Seed Destiny, no, they didn't do their homework. But, like, the scene itself kind of works on a self-contained thing because of the fact that the influence over Ray to be to kind of start that was Kira in the last two episodes of the series. The problem is, it would be much better if we'd seen him struggling with his identity for longer yeah. than what we get here. So, I think that moment still more or less works with how they have it presented, but it could have been much, much better. And they had an opportunity to set it up because there was that scene where they found the like cloning slash druggy The extended facility. facility. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, they're definitely implying something's going on with Ray there, so I think the writers know at that point. Yeah, and I like I feel like they could have started working that in at that point, um, and they just didn't. Yeah, and Ray, when he helps Shin with Stella, could bring it up to him and confide in him. What's your high point, Jeremy? I think you took better ones, but that hug at the end's real good. It's pretty Between good. Between Kira and Lacus. All I wanted Gundam Sea Destiny to be with Kira and Lacus making out. And it took not just the first ending, not just the second ending, but the movie ending for me to get what I wanted. <laughs> but they gave it to me. I think the Kira and Lacus and the entire like extended ending there are really good. Because yeah, like really even cute. them at the monument mm-hmm. and then when they're walking away. Couple goals. Yeah. There's his sex once a day. <laughs> well, that's Lacus's anyway, yes. and Kira will oblige. So, <laughs> Tyler, what's your low point? Oh that's... boy, oh boy. Zach's uh, going to take mine, so I got to think of one. Uh, well, I might take Zach's. So you I'm might just, find I'm, out. I'm, I'm going to say it's uh, Talia needlessly sacrificing her. Ding ding ding! We have a she, winner. <laughs> yeah, for a guy that she no longer particularly cared about, as far as the rest of the series was telling us. I mean, that is definitely the obvious choice because. When I said it to to Jeremy, when I like immediate thoughts when I watched it was, they did Gladys dirty. Yeah, and I pushed back on Flay's death at the end of Gundam Seed, but I think this is much much worse. Yeah, uh, Zach, yours has been stolen. That, that What's was your backup my original one. I think my backup low point might just be they, they added Atherin into this final confrontation, and he literally doesn't do anything. He and says Ray's name once. And that final confrontation feels like we're missing a couple of people. Like, it feels like Luna and Shin should be there. At the very least, Shin feels like she should, he should be there. 
And Lacus feels like she should be here too. But none of our other main characters are actually present at the death, as it were. And yeah. if we're being honest, Kigali should be there, but she's so far away, none of us can imagine that. Yeah, there's that too. So I think that's probably going to be mine. I'm imagining a different version of this scenario where Mirror shoots him instead, and I kind of like that ending too. What's your low point, Jeremy, since... Hi, Ray. Nice character development. Bye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, that scene at the end where in the uh, Emperor's throne room is where all of the weakness of this episode, I think, really comes through. Or at least the... Like, but the stuff the... between Kira and Durundal works. Yeah. It's just everything occurring around them is kind of a problem. Yeah. Because Kira's motivation makes sense there. Durundal's motivation makes sense there. There are some, like, not great lines that they deliver to each other, but, like, overall, like, the gist of what they're saying to each other works, I think, just fine. It goes back again into the, a lot of the stuff that's happening around them, which should be more impactful, doesn't work because they didn't do their homework. And I even think a few of the awkward lines that they deliver to one another don't work because they didn't do their homework for stuff earlier. There's, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that. Gil's lines specifically, I think. All right. We have one last mobile suit to put on our list. The titular Destiny Gundam. I am the Destiny Defender among us. I like the thing fairly well. I do think it's not the best like titular mobile suit. It's certainly no Freedom Gundam. I don't think anyone was uh, pretending to argue that. So where are we going to start with the Kitchen Sink Gundam? So this is more a general point than an actual start. Do we think it's better than the Impulse? I definitely think it's better than the Impulse. I, I think it is like also it better, better than, than the impulse. impulse. Like I, I often joke about it being the kitchen sink Gundam because it has a little bit of everything, but it's not nearly as bad as that mess. I think the starting place then is the Justice Gundam because we're all also in agreement. It's not no freedom. No, it's not a freedom Gundam. The Justice is nearly a main character Gundam, and we kind of talked last time about how while we like it, we don't love it. And I actually do like the Destiny more than I like the Justice. I think I prefer the Justice just because the Destiny is just. Like I said, the, the Destiny feels like its identity is that it doesn't have one because it has bits of everything on it. It's got the shining finger. It's got the heavy cannon from the launcher strike. It's got the sword strikes big sword. It's got its stupid ass energy wings. In isolation. pulled off of the turn A Gundam. Not knowing where any of that shit comes from, I think the Destiny's pretty rad. Um, really? This is a surprise to me. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like the Destiny pretty well. And so. I will say, um, the Freedom, I think, in my estimation, gained a lot from that. Because the Freedom takes a lot from the High New and a lot from the Double X, but I hadn't seen either of those when I first saw the Freedom. So I definitely get that. Um, anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt your point, though. No. Um, so I, I think I like it better than the Justice. I'm not sure I like it better than the Infinite Justice. Uh, that's weird, because I was going to say I definitely do, but Zach is saying not above the Justice. He's going to say not above the Infinite Justice. So I think that puts uh, the Destiny Gundam at number eight, a much better showing than I honestly thought it was going to get, between the Justice Gundam and the Infinite Justice Gundam. I will say, re after rewatching the series, it looked like... I have come to accept that a lot of the more problematic looks the Destiny Gundam gets is due to it being animated very poorly. Yeah. And yeah, I almost, before we ranked it, wanted to watch the episode of Build Fighters Try, where there's a character who his gimmick is that his, her, his brother is in the hospital and he builds model kits for his brother poorly and he just straight assembles them from the box. He doesn't even cut off the sprues and he has a Destiny Gundam because the Destiny Gundam looks like the sexiest thing in the world in that episode. Well, even looking at yours properly. Uh, up there on, on your shelf here, it looks a lot better than a lot of the shots that we get in the series. Yeah. 
I, I honestly, I think it also suffers a little bit from looking a lot like the Impulse when they're just, like, on screen at the same time. Especially when the phase shift armor's powered down, right? Yeah. It also has some small story problems. We talk about how story can really help a mobile suit design, particularly when we talk about the Astray no-name. The Destiny was a rejected pitch for the Freedom Gundam because it's supposed to be a combination of the three strike packs. But they and it didn't looks think, like it? Yeah. But they didn't think they could animate it effectively, and they were right. <laughs> and that, which is why they rejected it. Um, but they used it for Destiny. And yeah, it's not a combination of the Impulse's three packs, though. You know what? Mobile Suit didn't need any story justification to make it right as heck. The Tequila Custom Dan Custom Dan. Yes, Dan. <laughs> the Dan Dan Custom Dan Dan. Uh, now I just want Dan Hibiki driving that. I know. I was thinking that while I was saying that. <laughs> All right. So, itinerary for upcoming episodes. We are going to do a three-part series like we did last year after Seed. We will leave the theme of that for you to discover next week. Those will start next week. Then after that, we will be doing our Gundam Seed Destiny review episode. There will be a question thread on our Discord, which you can find at www.lastpodcast.com if you want to join it. You can ask us any questions and we will answer them on our finale special. After that, we will be covering Gundam Double O, which I hope you stick around for. If you're just interested in Seed, I understand. Thank you very much for listening to our coverage. Double O is not a series I have the same passion for, and part of me is hoping to find it in doing this podcast. I'm actually pretty excited to watch Double O because I've watched a, you know, bits and chunks of it, but I've never actually finished Double O. I'm actually pretty excited for it. I've heard mostly nothing but good things about it. Also, between Double O, there may be one extra bonus episode. Somebody on our Discord made a threat. So Slack, if you were serious about that, give me a DM, and <laughs> if we work it out, you will get your episode after we finish the Destiny recap before we start Double O. So guys, we beat Destiny. We achieved our Destiny and finished watching this damn show. We killed Gundam Seed. We killed Gundam Seed Destiny. And now we have our Double O license.